Thank you for checking out the sermon at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you have access to other resources, information about who we are, and where we're going as a church, as well as an opportunity to give to what God is doing through our church. Once again, thanks for checking out this sermon. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. I want to put two what I call spiritual reality statements up on the screen, and what I want to do is I want you to try to decide which of these statements best describes your relationship with God. So here are the two statements. Number one, by the grace of God, I am saved. Say that out loud with me. By the grace of God, I am saved. Let me give you a second statement. I want you to say this one out loud with me. By the grace of God, I am being saved. Say that with me out loud. By the grace of God, I am being saved. So there are the two spiritual reality statements. By the grace of God, I am saved. By the grace of God, I am being saved. Number one and number two. Now, by show of hands this morning, you're thinking, man, we're getting a pop quiz right out of the gate, huh? Yep, pop quiz, all right? How many of you think statement number one best describes your relationship with God? By the grace of God, I am saved. Let me see your hand. All right, you can put them down. How many of you would say that statement number two best describes your relationship with God? By the grace of God, I am being saved. Some of you, I notice, answered twice. <laughs> the correct answer is... Yes. You say, what do you mean? Both of those statements are absolute truth from the Bible describing your and my personal relationship with God as born-again Christians. And if you're visiting with us this morning, we are, as a faith family, walking verse by verse together through the letter in the Bible called 1 Peter. If you have your Bible, I want you to open it this morning to the book of 1 Peter. We're going to continue our study through this wonderful New Testament letter. Paul wrote this to Christians living in the first century, but he wrote to them addressing what I just put on the screen for you, our spiritual reality as it stands right now before God. So as we've been reading together through this letter, we find ourselves now in chapter 1, verse number 22. And I want to pick up right there, and I want to read for you, and I want you to listen for those two realities. By the grace of God, I am saved. By the grace of God, I am being saved. And then we're going to talk about them. And what I want to do this morning is I'm going to read a section of Scripture that we're actually going to be unpacking both this weekend and next weekend. There's too much in this section that I'm about to read for us to try to deal with it all this weekend. So we're going to look both this weekend and next weekend at this same passage. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 22, here's what it says. Since 
You have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again. You hearing any of it yet? For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. You hearing some more of it? If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Great passage of Scripture, amen? The Word of God is so rich and so powerful and so alive and speaking into our lives. And in this passage where Peter is writing to these first century Christians, he lays out really these two spiritual realities. And I'm going to put them back up on the screen. Here's the first one. By the grace of God, I am being, or excuse me, I am saved. Say that out loud with me. By the grace of God, I am saved. Did you hear that as Peter wrote this letter? For example, in verse 23, he says, For you have been born again. That is in the past tense. Here's what that means. He did not say, For you will be born again. He did not say, For you might be born again. He did not even say, For you may be born again. What Simon Peter said is, You have been been born again. It's an important Greek tense in the original language because it's a tense that communicates completed action. It means that it is 100% done. He is writing to a group of followers of Jesus Christ and he says, I just want to remind you today, your salvation is done. You have been born again. Now, the way he said that, though, is important because it's not just completed action. It's also something that is it's used in the passive voice. That means that they were not born again because of something that they did. They were born again as the subject based on something they simply received. He's writing to them and he says, your salvation is done. You are are a child of God. You have been born again. And it's not because of anything that you've done. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't merit it. It has all happened by the grace of God. So that one phrase communicates that by the grace of God, I 
am saved. Isn't that good news today? I'm saved. I don't have to sit here today and wonder about my salvation. I don't have to sit here today and fret about my relationship with God. I am saved by the grace of God. You say, well, when did this happen? Well, look at verse 22. He says, since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls. What's that talking about? The word obedience here is a word that it literally comes from a root verb that means to, it's a compound word, it means to hear under. Meaning that the word obey means that I, I hear truth and I submit to it or I surrender my life to it or I come under that truth. Here's the point. Peter is writing to them and he says the moment, the moment that you and I in faith submitted to the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God in response to the truth of the gospel and we put our faith in Jesus Christ in that very instant we were born again into the family of God and from that point on we can say by the grace of God I am saved. It happened for me and I've told you this story it happened for me in the, the fall of 1989 as a freshman in college at the University of North Alabama. I was a freshman in college. God had done some things in my life, brought me to a point of brokenness. I understood the gospel. I understood that I'd sinned against God and that I needed to be saved. And in that September night, I knelt down beside my bed in that apartment in Florence, Alabama, and I came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. I surrendered the control of my life to Jesus, and by faith, I received the glorious grace of God and forgiveness. And let me tell you what happened. In that moment by the grace of God I was born again into listen it wasn't because I deserved it it wasn't because I'd earned it it wasn't because I merited that by the grace of almighty God I was born again into relationship with Jesus Christ and from that moment to this day in 2014 I can say by the grace of God I am saved listen how many of you have that testimony amen you got that testimony that you say, hey, I know, I know there was a moment in my life when I surrendered the control of my life to Jesus and was born again. Here's what Peter's writing to us. and You've got to wrap your head around this. This is incredible. You ready? You are as saved as you are ever going to be. Here's what that means. After I've been in heaven for 10,000 years, I won't be any more saved than I am right now. Let me tell you why. Because right now it is done based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's finished. Here's what that means. Today, right now, if you've been born again, as you sit in this building, listen to me. You are a loved, accepted child of God. And there's not one thing, listen, there's not one thing that you have to do today to earn that. 
You don't have to perform in a certain way today to be right with God. You don't have to live up to a certain standard today to know that you are born again. Heaven is my home. My eternity is secure. God accepts me today on the sole basis of His amazing grace. And because of His grace today, I am saved. Listen, I hope that sets some of you free this morning. Listen to what He said. You have been born again. You have been. It's done. Completed action. Finished. How that happened? Since I, in obedience to the truth, I, I came under the truth of the gospel. The Word of God says, by the grace of God, I am saved. There are too many Christians living a life of works trying to somehow earn right favor with God. Listen to me. You can work your fingers to the bone and you'll never earn it. But you can have it by grace. By the grace of God, I am saved. Let me give you the second statement. By the grace of God, I am being saved. Say that out loud. By the grace of God, I am being saved. Go back to the phrase, for you have been born again. Completed action. But it's an interesting tense in the Greek language. It's the perfect tense. You say, why is that important? Here's why it's important. The perfect tense is one of the most powerful tenses in the Greek New Testament because here's what it means. The perfect tense describes something that is completed action But it's not just done and over. It's a completed action that has ongoing, continuous, unending effect or impact. Completed action, for you have been born again. Ongoing, completed, continuous effect or impact. By the grace of God, I am saved. By the grace of God, I am being saved. Here's what that means. What is true about me positionally. You see, because of Jesus today, don't misunderstand me. Not because of anything I've done. Not because of anything I've earned. Not because of anything I've deserved. By the grace of Jesus, I am right with God. But that doesn't mean that every moment of my life I'm living like that. You see, what's true about me positionally, God is now working out in my life practically Day by day, moment by moment, conforming me to the image of Jesus. Meaning, I'm not yet all the man I'm supposed to be, but glory be to God, I'm not the man I used to be. I am in a process of being conformed to the image of Jesus. I am saved, but by the grace of God, I am being saved. I'm being conformed. That's why Peter, at the end of this passage that I just read for you, in verse 2 of chapter 2, he says, by the word. Word, you and I are now growing 
in respect to this salvation. It literally means we're growing up in our salvation. I am saved. It's completely done. I'm right with God. I'm his child, loved, accepted by the Father, and I am being saved. God is growing me up in respect to what is true about me positionally. He's now pressing that out in my life practically as moment by moment he's conforming me to the image of Jesus. You say, How in the world does this happen? Well, he tells us. Look back at verse 23. I want to put verse 23 and 24 and 25 back up on the screen. Look what he said. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. Could it be any more plain right there? You have been born again through the word of God. For all flesh is like grass, all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Peter says, we've been born again through the word of God. When Peter uses that phrase here, He's talking about the gospel. You say, what is the gospel? Well, the gospel is the good news of Jesus. We are moving into a season right now called Christmas. And Christmas is really a celebration of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's the gospel in a nutshell. God created you and I to know him. He created us. We were made as human beings to live our lives in fellowship with God. But sin entered the picture. We sinned against God. Because of our sin, we are separated from the very reason we were created. Separated from a relationship with God. We could not have access to God. We could not have fellowship with God. No matter how hard we tried, we couldn't earn a right standing with God. But God loved us so much that God sent His only Son, Jesus. That's the whole story of Christmas. Jesus came into this world as God in the flesh. And Jesus, on the cross, offered His life as payment for our sin. The sin that we committed against God. The sin that we deserve to spend eternity separated from God for Jesus took all of our sin on himself. And on the cross, Jesus died for our sin. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again as a testimony that God had accepted his sacrifice for our sin. Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. And now the gospel says that you and I can obey the truth. We can submit. We can surrender. We can, by faith, embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we can be saved. We can be born again. By that, we mean through the gospel, I am saved from the penalty of sin. That's what we mean when we say, I am saved. The penalty of sin has forever been removed from my life. And when we say, I am being saved, we're now being saved from the power of sin. 
day in and day out, we're being set free from the power of sin and its bondage in our lives. And glory to God, one day we will be saved. One day we'll be saved from the very presence of sin in eternity with, with the Lord forever and ever and with the kingdom of God. We'll reign with Him and we'll be saved from the, the, the presence of sin. There'll be no sin there that we have to deal with. And for every child of God, that brings us such joy to know that we won't have to deal with that ever and ever, forever and ever again. But that's the reality of the gospel. And that's what Peter's writing about. Through the gospel... Through the Word of God, you and I can be born again, be given a right relationship with God, and be in a process of being conformed to the very image of Jesus Christ. So before I go any further, I want to stop right here for just a moment, and I want to ask a very simple question. Have you ever embraced the gospel? I'm not asking today if you've been to church. I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking if you have been baptized. I'm not asking if you're a member of a church. I'm not asking if your family comes from a religious background. I'm not asking if you're a good person. I'm simply asking the question, have you ever been born again through the power of the gospel? Can you say today, by the grace of God, I know I am saved. I'm going to ask everybody in the building just for a moment to just bow your head. If you're here today and you've never embraced the gospel, I want to give you an opportunity right now by faith to respond to the gospel and be saved. The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've never done that in the stillness of this moment, I'm going to invite you by faith to receive Jesus. You say, how do you do that? Well, it's, it's by faith. One of the ways you can express your faith is by prayer, by crying out to God in prayer and simply Praying something like this. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you desire to embrace the gospel and you've never done that before, I invite you to do it right now. Just simply say this. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that you love me. I know that you came to die on the cross for my sin. I know that you rose again from the dead. Right now I turn from my sin. And I surrender the control of my life to you. Jesus, by faith, I embrace you as the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want everybody to look this way. If for the very first time in your life, you just put your faith in Jesus, let me tell you something that is true about you. By the grace of God, you are saved.
you say, how can that be? Pastor, I just don't understand. You don't understand everything I've done. Listen, doesn't matter. We all got that. What he did on the cross took all of that away. Took all of that away. By the grace of God, I am saved. And let me tell you what else just happened. You just began a relationship where he's going to continue to work in your life to conform you to his image. Those two spiritual realities, I am saved, I am being saved. If you see those here in the text, say amen. Now, if you just prayed for the very first time with me, I want to encourage you to do something when this service ends. In one of two ways. And when this service ends, we're going to have some pastors here at the front. You can come to one of these pastors or you can go to our guest center after the service and we'll have Next Steps volunteers out there. If you just prayed with me for the very first time to begin a relationship with God, listen to me, do not leave this place today without telling somebody. Don't leave. Don't leave without telling somebody. You need others to come alongside you. Now, everything I've said so far is the introduction. You're laughing like I'm joking. That's the introduction. Because the point that Peter is making here is that because we have been born again, there are some identifying marks in our life. Peter says, I am born again. I am being born again. I am saved. I am being saved. We're in a process. But what Peter is pointing out in this passage are two identifying marks that you find, listen to this, in every person that has been born again. Now, there's a lot of diversity within the family of God. Amen? I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot. Just look around the room. We're, we're, we're all kind of different things inside the family of God. But Peter's identifying here some things that are genuine characteristics of every follower of Jesus. Identifying marks. It's kind of like I looked up this week the word fan. On the internet, the word fan is defined as a person enthusiastically devoted to something. That's a fan. I want to put a picture of a couple of fans up on the screen. You see, all fans have identifying marks, right? Devoted followers have traits and characteristics by which you can... For example, on the left side of that screen, we have a fan of what? The Green Bay Packers, right? The Cheeseheads. On, on the right side of that screen, we have the fan of what? The Oakland Raiders, right? I mean, anywhere you see somebody wearing a Cheesehead, they're either a fan of the Green Bay Packers or we need to call 911, right? I mean, it's an identifying mark. When you see that, you know who they are. When you see the silver and black... Dressed up like that. And anybody that would dress up like that with a 1 and 11 record, man, that's something special, right? But, 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 uh, I love you, Raider fans. Don't take it personal. There's always next year, right? But anybody that, that'll dress up like that, that what is that? It's on it. But it's, this isn't just true in the arena of sports. Let me show you a couple of other fans. 
Now, this gentleman, I guess we can say on the right, is obviously a fan of who? Elvis Presley, right? I mean, you can tell. He's wearing the garb. The guy on the left is obviously a fan of, come on, all the generation older, the Grateful Dead, right? It's the Grateful Dead. He's a deadhead. And, and, and by the grace of God, maybe he's just thankful to be alive. He looks like he could be there any minute. He's just grateful to be alive. But, but the point is, you can tell these fans by these identifying marks. When you see them, you know. Now, here's what Peter is saying. Peter's writing to these Christians, and he's reminding them, listen, you have been born again. You are saved, and you are being saved. You're in a process. And he's pointing out that because you are living a life of devotion to Jesus, there are some identifying marks. And listen, don't miss this. These are not simply some external traits like clothing and decoration. These are lifestyle characteristics that are the overflow of the life of Jesus being fleshed out in our lives. Peter says, since you've been born again, here's what it looks like. And he identifies two things that are the characteristics of Christ in us that should be in every Christian. Now, what we're going to do this weekend and next is we're going to unpack these two things. I'm going to briefly mention the first of these this morning, and then we'll come back next weekend and finish this off. But Peter uses this concept that we are born again and we are being saved, and he identifies these characteristics. I want you to look back at verse 22 now that we've kind of unpacked that. Look what he said. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for sincere love of the brethren, fervently, that's interesting, in all the verses I read for you this morning, there are only two commands, two imperatives. Everything else Peter says in this paragraph hangs on the two commands. Here's the first command. Fervently love one another from the heart. Then verse 23 says, for you have been born again. Since you have and because you have, here's the imperative. Love one another from the heart. So the first of these is born again people love one another. Now I want you to look at verse chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. Look what he said. Therefore. Now I've told you before anytime you see the word therefore in the New Testament you look and see what it's what. Therefore, right? Because the word therefore means based on what I've just said I want to draw a conclusion. What did he just say? He just said you have been born again. How? Through the living and abiding word of God. Now he says therefore. Put aside all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn babies. Now look, here's the second imperative. There are only two commands. Long for the pure milk of the word. So here are the two statements, then we'll unpack one. Here are the two statements. Born again people love one another. Born again people long for the word of God. Born-again people love one another. Born-again people long for the Word. Only two commands in that entire paragraph of Scripture. Peter builds this whole thing. Hey, since you have been, because you are, you have been born again, here are the two imperatives. Here are the two identifying marks. 
Lay this down on your life. And look how he even closes. Look at verse 3 of chapter 2. If you've tasted the kindness of the Lord. He said, if you've been born again, these things will be evident. Now, they're going to be evident in varying degrees because we're all at different points in the process, right? Some are way down the line in the process. Some are brand new in the process. So the degree to which these two things are evident in our lives are going to vary. But these two things should be evident in every Christian's life. Love for their brothers and sisters in Christ. Longing for the Word. And Peter really is saying here, if you don't have those two identifying marks, here's the question you really need to answer. Have you ever really been born again? So, with that, let me, let me unpack a little of this first one, and then we'll, we'll close this morning. Here's identifying mark number one. Born-again people love one another. Born-again people love one another. John MacArthur said it this way. Believers are to love one another to the fullest extent because it is consistent with new life in Christ. Now here's what that means. It's who Jesus is. Let that sink in for a second. Born again people love one another because it's who Jesus is. Remember what the Christian life is? The Christian life is not you and me trying to live for Jesus. The Christian life is Jesus living his life through us. Loving one another is who Jesus is. So the degree to which you and I are allowing Christ to live his life through us, we will love one another. Peter uses two words here for the word love. In verse 22, look back there. He said, since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. The first love there, it's the word Philadelphia in the Greek language. We've transliterated that word and made it an English word. It's now a name of a city, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. This is a kind of love that exists because of our relationship to our brothers and sisters in Christ. He's describing a love that exists because we've been born again. Because you are now my brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to love one another. But then he goes deeper in verse 22. He says, fervently love one another from the heart. That's a different word. It's the word agapeo. It's a Greek word that means it's describing the kind of love that is only God's love. It's love that is an act of the will. It's finding one's joy in something as an act of the will. And it's a love that is Christ in us. And here's what Peter is saying. Christ in you has placed his love within you. And now because of your relationship to your brothers and sisters in Christ, you are to allow Christ in you to love them through you in real and radical and tangible ways. Let me show it to you in the Bible in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Look on the screen. Listen to what this says. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts 
through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You hear that? The love of God has been poured out. That, that word poured out there is a word that literally means to generously supply. It's the idea of filling something to overflow. Here's what the Bible says. The moment we came to know Jesus through the presence of the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus filled us to overflowing with the amazing love of God. And an identifying mark of being a follower of Jesus is that he is manifesting that love through our lives as we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. So let me give you a couple of characteristics of this love. Number one, loving one another is a choice. It's a choice. You see, the kind of love that God has for us is not based on anything we've done. We've said that already. We didn't earn God's love. We didn't deserve it. God in His sovereignty chose to love us as an act of His will. And that is how He desires to love others through us. Let's just be real honest for a minute here. We're in church. It's all right to be honest in church. Amen? If we're going to be just real honest, there are some people inside the family of God who are easier to love than others. Don't look at them. You know what I'm talking about, right? Some people are what, what we call in ministry EGR, right? You know what that means? Extra grace required, right? <laughs> some people are tougher to love than others. It's just true. As a matter of fact, some of you are sitting where you're sitting in this building this morning because you are trying to avoid some of those people. You've chosen your seat based on you saw them come in and you sat on the other side of the room so you didn't have to sit near them. Some of you are in the small group that you're in because some of them were in that small group so you got out of that small group so you get to another small group, right? We would never do that. When we're loving as Christ loved, we love by choice. You see, it's not because they're likable or lovable. It's not even because they've loved us. It's because Christ in us said love one another. You say, I don't know if I can do that. Well, you're right. You and I can't in and of ourselves. But Christ has poured his love out in us and desires to pour his love through us. And when we live that way, it's an identifying mark that we are a follower of Jesus. If I don't love my brother and sister in Christ, I need to ask a real question about whether or not I've been born again because Peter says it's an identifying mark. It's in varying degrees based on where you are in the process, but all of us should be loving our brother and sister in Christ. It means that I'm to take the initiative to demonstrate Christ's love. I'm not to wait to love in return. I'm to love first. It also means there are no conditions to be met. I choose to love regardless of the conditions. I love this verse that describes the love of God out of Romans 8, verse 35. Look what he said. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? For I am convinced... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing 
will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what that means? There's nothing you and I can do to separate ourselves from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus. I love how he said no created thing. You do realize that includes you and me, right? We're created things. There's not one thing we can do to separate ourselves. And here's what that means for us as brothers and sisters in Christ. My love for my brothers and sisters in Christ is not based on how they treat me. It's based on who they are in Christ. Loving one another is a choice. Here's what Peter is saying. Because you have been born again, this ought to be evident in your life. Love one another. Second characteristic of loving one another. Loving one another requires sacrifice. Now these two characteristics are obviously not an exhaustive list of the defining marks of what it is to love one another. But man, when you think about God's love for us, His love was a choice that was sacrificial. I mean, it's, it's the defining mark of the gospel. For God so loved the world that He what? He gave. He chose in His sovereign will to love us and He sacrificed His own Son. Because So our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ, if it's His love in us, is going to be love that's a choice. I'm choosing to love my brothers and sisters in Christ and it's going to be love that's sacrificial. Listen to the way 1 John writes about it in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. Look at this on the screen. And I'm giving it to you in the message paraphrase. I love the way he said this. This is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. Sacrificial love. So let me ask you some questions. Do I love my brothers and sisters in Christ by sacrificing time to be with them? Someone once said the greatest way to spell love is T-I-M-E. Are you sacrificing time to be with other believers? To invest time in them? You see, small groups, we have lots of small groups that meet here at Hope during the week in homes and neighborhoods all across this city. Small groups are not just a program in our church that we're doing to try to earn favor with God. Small groups are set aside time that we sacrifice to be with each other to demonstrate the love of Jesus inside of community, fleshing that out and living life together. It's time. And don't miss this. It's an identifying mark of those who've been born again. Am I sacrificing time to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ? Do I love my brothers and sisters in Christ sacrificially by serving them using my gifts and abilities? Think about the last seven days of this week. Last seven days. How have you used your gifts and abilities sacrificially serving other people inside the family of God? You struggling to come up with something? It's an identifying mark. See, an identifying mark that I've been born again is I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. And that means that I'm spending time with them, that I'm serving them, that I'm meeting needs. I'll give you a couple of closing thoughts. This kind of love's not easy. You say, yeah, are you kidding me? I'm, I'm listening to it. It's not easy. 
But he told us, Peter said, fervently love one another from the heart. The word fervently, it's an interesting word. It's actually an athletic term. It's an athletic term because it's a term that means to stretch the muscles to the limit. It's the idea of pushing the body as far as you can push it. Peter says the kind of love that is required of us, the kind of love that is expected as Christ in us as an identifying mark of a follower of Jesus and is a kind of love that is literally going to stretch us to the end of who we are. Fervently love one another. Second closing thought is this. Is this kind of love is impossible apart from Christ in us. That's why he said fervently love one another from the heart. This is an outside-in kind of love. It's Christ in us spilling out of our lives, loving others. If you've really been born again, a defining mark of your life is love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's a big deal. I want to read you a section of Scripture out of 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read you two verses to, to close. Look what 1 John says. I want you to pay very careful attention to this. We love because He first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. I'm glad he said that and I didn't say it. That's pretty strong, right? If out of your mouth you're saying, oh, I love God, and you got issues with your brother and sister in Christ, here's what John says, liar. Don't deceive yourself. Look what he says. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him, that one who loves God should love his brother also. You love the brothers and sisters in Christ? The second verse I'm going to close with is maybe you're hearing, you're hearing me say this and you think you've got this covered. I, I love my brother and sister in Christ. Well, let me close with this. First Thessalonians, Paul said, Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you practice it towards all the brethren who are living in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, excel still more. Just in case you think I got this one wrapped up, here's a word from Paul. Excel still more.